Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Imagine going beyond your limits today to be able to understand how to harness the amazing energies that surround us on a physical level as well as those energies that are not on a physical level so that we could live a very holistic, energetic, magical life. And I'm borrowing that phrase from the book by Tess Whitehurst, who is our guest today. Again, the book is called Holistic Energy Magic. And Tess, I'd like to welcome you to our show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You are going to dazzle us with all sorts of information about charms and techniques for creating a magical life. And I think that your book provides both a foundation as well as very uh, large plethora of opportunities to employ different spells or to use different colors or angels. or Well, you tell us a little bit about your book and who it is going to most help or or connect to or, or lead forward in their lives? You know, it's really for people like me who are drawn to a creative and very personal spiritual path. So I find that creativity and spirituality are one, and the more we can tap into our sense of fun and creating our lives and visualizing in a way that, you know, fuels our joy, uh, the, the more powerful we are and the happier we are. So for the purpose of understanding the basic principles, you, per, you say that there are five different ways, five different, oh, I don't know, what are they, essential attitudes or, or, or secrets that are fundamental to being able to access the magic, the magic that's available to us. What are those five secrets to success? Well, the first one is inspired intention. So when you choose an intention, when you choose something that you want to manifest, you want to make sure that it's something that actually fuels you with joy. If, if it's not, it's not in alignment with you. It's not in alignment with the divine. So, and, and, and even if it's something simple, like even if it's finding a parking spot, if you can find a way to make that feel fun and joyful and inspired, that's uh, number one. So uh, number two is uh, vibrant visualization. So so once you have your inspired intention, you are very clear on it. You've defined it. You want to visualize it vibrantly. And everyone visualizes differently. Sometimes people even visualize in a non-visual way. So it's kind of a misnomer. But the feeling, you know, maybe they'll get in touch with the feeling, maybe a scent, maybe a sound. But you want to visualize and feel as if it's already in your experience. And then um, symbolic action. So this is arguably the least important of the five, but it still can really fuel your your manifestation efforts um, to have a symbolic action you do. So like in, in yoga, for example, prayer pose, it's an action you take in the physical world to unite you with the feeling of peace and serenity and grounding. So that's an example of a symbolic action, but it can be a number of things. Um, then grateful expectation. So this is once you've done your manifestation efforts, you want to feel this sense of expectation and joy, but not panic. So it's like not a stranglehold. It's a grateful, it's like you order your meal and then you just know it's coming. It's not there yet, but you, you can kind of enjoy it already because you know it's on the way. So that's an important ingredient. And then finally, the deepest possible alignment with the divine. So this is why we, this is one of the main reasons we regularly meditate, regularly take walks outside or do whatever it is that tunes us in because the more we tune into the aspect of us that is one with everything, the more successful our manifestation efforts become. So it kind of comes full circle from that inspired intention to just regularly, deeply aligning with the divine. 
You know, beautiful description and synopsis, and I find that that's also true with your book. You'll provide these great synopsis and then these wonderful illustrations and then exercises that help activate any aspects that you speak about. It's truly a book that both is informative in the first reading, but also seems like it's going to be a book I will consult in order to be able to use particulars or to go back and find other formulas that might apply to the different moment. So I appreciate that those are the fundamental aspects of it. I think we have a few more fundamentals to just cover briefly, and and the next part would be about the elements in the ether and how do do we understand that in our Western society where we're full of science and mathematics and materialism? (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. Um, Well, you know, in in every – and the main ancient cosmologies, the ways of interacting with the world had – something similar to the five element system. So sometimes it's earth, air, um, fire, water, and spirit. There's different variations on that if it's Ayurveda or the Chinese five element system, but they're very similar. So it really indicates, it points to that we as humans do interpret the physical and spiritual worlds in this five element way, or at least it's a very useful tool that we can use in order to feel aligned with all that is in a way that that helps us tune into our joy and our ability to manifest the things that we want. So these are old these are very old ancient sorts of perspectives of, uh, in terms of using the elements in terms of magic and and doing spells and conjuring up sorts of things. Do you see this as different in the modern age or are we tapping into something that's been around for thousands of years? Well, certainly it's been around for thousands of years, and I think it's very interesting that we're at a time when science really is catching up to this um, ancient way of, of thinking about the divine and all that is. So now that we have quantum physics, then we're starting to see that really our thoughts do, our expectations really, really do affect the physical world in a real way. And so this way of interpreting the elements, you can think of it as a sort of a frame of reference for how we can um, unite our... So it's really a way of sort of uniting form and spirit within us, uniting our awareness of the interconnection. So so what I mean when I'm talking about this is like a, a practical way that you can start to do this is to have an altar with a representation of each of the five elements. Maybe during part of your daily meditation you can tune in with the four directions because their cardinal points are aligned, each aligned with one of four elements, and then the spirit element would be like a pillar so that would be up and down. So the four directions and then up and down for spirit, knowing when you tune into which direction is aligned with each element. So it's a way to anchor. You're not just sort of meditating and just generally connecting with just general spirit. You're uniting spirit with the physical world because that's a true perspective. The dual perspective of that you know, there's form and there's spirit and and never the twain shall meet. It's just not true. There's just, it's one pattern of energy. It appears separate in some ways, but it's completely united. So it's a tool for uniting those within you, within your consciousness for the practical application of manifestation and living happily and positively. All right, so I guess at this point, I know that there's so many more tools, and I do, and we are going to cover those, listeners, so just bear with us. But I'm thinking at this point, Tess, that people might want to say, well, is this applicable to my everyday life, and are there examples that you can give where on a very small scale and on a very huge scale, a very significant scale, these um, practices that you have and that you're going to lead us through that you've already shared some with actually have manifested so that people can go, oh, okay, I can really use this. This is an everyday process that I can incorporate. Well, as far as the elements, what I talk about with the elements is, is that what you're, we're still talking about, the elements or other things? Oh, so far we've talked about the secrets to your success, the five different mindsets and activities, and then we're oh, then oh. talking about the elements in the ether. And we're, then we're going to talk about okay. magic tools and energetic palette and, and entities. But in terms of right now, do you have any examples where people you've worked with or yourself have used these sorts of interventions and they've had quite a bit of uh, impact on reality? 
Well, certainly it's something that I, it, it, now it's just a kind of a constant mindset for me. Um, it, it speeds up in its effectiveness the more that you regularly practice it. And then at some point, it just becomes merged with your consciousness so that it's not really something you're doing. It's just the way that you are. I mean, I do, I definitely talk about the elemental practice as being a sort of anchor. So that's a sort of a way to just consistently day by day remember and unite yourself with the spirit the realm of spirit and and the physical elements um but as far as doing these uh certain rituals like the ones we're going to talk about next um definitely there's an immediate it's like an immediate thing that you can feel when you do it in a way that that is actually going to be successful for you because it we're working on the feeling level Um, The truth is when we want to manifest something, it's not actually, if you think about it, it's never actually the thing that we want. We want the feeling that we believe the thing is going to give us. So when we start with the feeling and we have that feeling and we conjure up that feeling and we convince ourselves that it's already in our life, we've already really manifested what we want. But what's interesting is the outside world begins to, because it, it actually is very fluid and is very receptive to our thoughts and beliefs, it starts to shape itself according to how we already feel. So it's counterintuitive based only on the way that we've been taught in our modern world, but it has been intuitive to the ancients and it does become intuitive once you begin practicing it. Okay, so I love the way you say that we actually have influence on the outside world. It is responsive to us, and that's what this is, this magic is about. Tell us more about the 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 way life and aspects, materialistically and spiritually, things respond to us. Why? Why are things so responsive? Uh, well, you know, it. I don't know for sure. <laughs> um, well, it is that. very miraculous. What's that? That's well What's said. That? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but I do. Um, I do believe that, and a part of it is that if you think about sort of the prevalent uh, belief system that, you know, is really still Newtonian. It's really not even the the sort of everyday supposed logical way that we are taught to think about things isn't even really caught up with quantum physics yet. But if you do think about it, it's really not even logical to think that we, that first of all, that that thoughts and um, other types of energy would not be influencing each other because all energy is is one and it all influences itself. It's also not logical to think of ourselves as islands, you know, that I'm just this being and that whatever happens in the outside world, I have no way to affect it or I can affect it, but only with my actual physical body and not with my thoughts or intentions. It's not there's not a real reason to think that that's logical if you really think about it, other than that's just kind of the prevailing wisdom. Oh, that's so interesting that you would go that way to just say, hey, it's not logical, but it does have an impact. We've, you've seen evidence of it having impact. Okay, well, let's oh, move no, no. on to the mean, magic toolbox. I, okay, okay yeah. but what I mean is it's not the prevailing wisdom that we're separate is not logical. I think it's, it is logical that our thoughts and feelings and beliefs would influence the outside world. It's not as logical to think that they wouldn't is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, okay, so I totally misunderstood what you're saying. Well, then how, what is the logic? What's the logic for this? Well, that everything is energy. That we, if you think of what we're made of, where we come from, what we, what we eat, what we breathe, what we see, what influences us, what we influence, it's no, there's no separation. There's no separation. So to think that there is a separation and to think that we don't have an influence on the stars and that the stars don't have an influence on us or that, you know, that our thoughts don't interact with the thoughts and feelings of other people, that it's, it's really, that would not be logical. To me, I mean, I see, because if you think about everything as being energy, then why would it not be one singular sea of energy in which everything interacts with and affects everything else. Okay, fascinating. So, of course, we get into quantum mechanics and we could talk about the butterfly effect and so forth and so on. So 
So that we'll just dwell on that in a moment, but let's move on to your physical magical toolbox because I think that this is a, a, a highly useful way of looking at our, ourselves, our bodies, our relationship to magic. Yeah. So, so this is a um, this chapter. I talk about a number of actual uh, prescribed practices that that you can start to incorporate and then just pull out when you need them. So one of my favorites to talk about is the cauldron of lilac fire. So this is something that can transmute pretty much anything into positivity. So you imagine um, you would relax. Should I lead us through it? Is this? Would you like me to do a guided meditation? Oh, that would be wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's do it. So um, if you can, if it's appropriate now or you can do it later, just relax. Come into the present moment. Feel your weight on the earth or on the chair. Notice your breath as it goes in and out. And I would like for you to now visualize and sense a a giant silver cauldron in your mind's eye. On one side of the cauldron, I would like for you to visualize and invoke a masculine uh, form of the divine in whatever is powerful for you, and on the other side, a feminine aspect of the divine. So this could be the sun and moon. This could be um, the, the, the divine masculine in the form of a great god of some sort, or in the divine feminine in the form of a great goddess, a divine mother and father, whatever feels powerful for you, or St. Germain and Portia, some people like to think about. So direct, see the masculine divinity directing very bright red light into the cauldron and see the feminine divinity directing very bright blue light into the cauldron. In the center of the cauldron now see very, very bright violet fire, lilac colored fire when these two masculine and feminine energies intersect and merge and mix. Now I'd like for you just to take your attention to the lilac-colored fire in the cauldron and see this as a very cleansing, very intelligent, divine energy that knows exactly what is needed. So now from a feeling place, take any situation that or challenge or even yourself you can put your whole self into the flame just put yourself or any challenge you may have or any situation straight into this violet or lilac colored fire see sense imagine feel this fire cleansing transforming every cell every aspect of the challenge or every cell of yourself into positivity and blessings. So we're taking any sort of challenging momentum, staying with the momentum, but changing it into completely positive energy. And because this energy is divine, it knows what is needed. So you can completely trust that. Just release it and trust it and allow it. So feel yourself or the situation completely transforming. And when this feels complete, take a breath, Thank the lilac fire, thank the masculine divinity, thank the feminine divinity, thank yourself for doing this work, trust that it was a success, and say or think, thank you, thank you, thank you, blessed be, and so it is. Oh, that is beautiful. I lost myself in that so much I forgot I was doing an interview. (laughs) (laughs) I just piled my family right in the middle of that and just put us all there so that we could uh, experience the benefit of that that process. Do do you think, Tess, that this is harder for individuals that don't have uh, imagination or visualization? I know you kind of reference that in your book. On my mind, my imagination can go very strong. I actually drew a lilac flame when I read this part of your book, so I could just kind of immerse myself in the imagination of it. But what about those individuals that can't kind of grasp those visualizations? 
That's a really good question because I do have a lot of people tell me that they have trouble visualizing. So the truth is everyone can visualize because it's a human um it's it's a human skill that we have. That's how we know the difference between one thing and another thing. If we crave chocolate, guess what we're doing? We're visualizing chocolate. We're we're feeling like, oh, I really, really want that one taste and that one texture. That's a visualization. So the trick is to find how do I visualize? Is it more visual? Is it more auditory? What's powerful for me? Maybe it's a scent. Maybe it's a feeling. Notice how you do it in those normal everyday, like when you're craving chocolate or when you're envisioning getting into bed after a long day. You know, what? how do you do that? And then start to practice. The more you practice, it really is something that the more you practice, the better you get at it. So a daily, maybe a visualization of calling on the elements or a cleansing, shielding yourself in light type of visualization that you do every day, not only will have the benefits of whatever the exercise is designed to do, but it will also help you get better and better at visualizing. That's beautifully said. In other words, it's kind of a misnomer to call it a visualization because you can use any of your senses and any of the ways that you approach imagining or living in your in your thought and feeling world. You don't have to use just the tools of what you see or colors or shapes. You can use any sort of sensation or process that works for you to work your way into the depth of that experience when the experience isn't material, but it is nonetheless existing inside of you. Am I close? That's exactly right, yes. Okay. And now you have these other <laughs> wonderful invisible magical tools here. I love the Emerald Heart of Healing, the Mirrored Sphere. That was just quite interesting. And I really was fond of this idea of using the fingers as a wand. So out of those three, which other, which other invisible magical tool would you like to disclose? And then the readers just have to purchase your wonderful book. And I, while you're giving this thought about that, we are talking to the author, Tess Whitehurst. W-H-I-T-E-H-U-R-S-T. And she has this great book called Holistic Energy Magic, which we're actually reviewing today, but you're going to want to get the book to get more of the details. Okay, so Tess, which one of those additional invisible magical tools really is a a wonderful part of your toolbox? Well, they all are, but the one that I thought I would share is the mirrored sphere because it's one of the ones that I – well, I don't as much now that I don't live in Los Angeles because there's just so many people and so much energy there all the time. But I used to use it a lot when I would feel sort of exposed and vulnerable out in the world. Maybe I needed to go do something and I didn't really want to feel like I was being seen or, or receiving energy from people who were looking at me. So I would envision a sphere of mirror around myself that just was completely neutral. In, in feng shui, sometimes you use mirrors to just reflect negative or any kind of energy, any kind of challenging energy, just straight back to its source. So it's no judgment. It's just whatever's coming your way just goes back to where it came from. So with the sphere, you just can feel safe and, and unseen and like you're not receiving any sort of energy from other people if you're not wanting that at that time. And it's as simple as that, really, just... You're walking, you envision this giant sphere around yourself that's a mirror. Any kind of energy you're sensing from any direction, you can just feel it sending it right back to its source. I think that uh, you also talk about cords and releasing cords, and I think that's in another section. But the the whole let, let's just assume that there are some listeners that are really vexed with a relationship right now, either within the work environment or in the home situating situation or previous relationships that still kind of vex the spirit or frustrate or cause anger or, you know, an urge to kind of lash out or not being your best self. What, what do we do with relationships with that and the way they, are, they impact our magical ability to influence? And how do we use your magical tools to work with these complicated relationships? Well, there's a lot of different ways to do that. I know that one, you mentioned cord cutting. I do know that one of the things I like to do every day as part of my meditation is to ask Archangel Michael to remove any challenging energies from my energy field and to remove any cords of attachment or fear. 
So, and then I asked him to surround me in a sphere of very bright white light and then very bright indigo light. So that's something I talk, I call magical hygiene. I find that especially for people who are sensitive to energy and who are working in the energetic realms on a regular basis, a regular magical hygiene practice is very important and it's a great way to practice your visualization skills. But as for challenging relationships, I mean, you can also do the cauldron of lilac fire um, if you want to work with it in that way. Generally, I always like to think about working with things instead of against them um, because when you set up a tension or set up any sort of war against something, it often will give it energy. So either to learn the lesson that it contains, to find maybe sometimes there's a shadow aspect of yourself that needs to be looked at when you're finding a challenging aspect in someone else. There's a lot of different, you know, like you said, it can be complex with different relationships, so there's a lot of different things you can do. But the more you tune in regularly to the divine and remind yourself that you are one with everything, the more obvious it will be, the more you'll be tuned into your guidance. So you'll know, oh, I want to do the, the cauldron of lilac fire on this, or, or I want to ask Archangel Michael to cut my cords, shield me in light, send blessings to this challenging person, you know, whatever it might be. So there, there are a lot of um, different techniques you can use. Yeah, you've mentioned several times the experience of that the more the more skilled you get, the more you're familiar with the sort of process, these types of processes, but the easier it becomes, the more second nature it becomes. And I can tell by the way you're talking that it's second nature to you. So those individuals that are stepping into this uh, exploration of the magical sides of life, um, they're going to feel awkward or unfamiliar or like it's in their imagination or it's like it's kind of unbelievable. How do they go through that phase of awkwardly incorporating some of this and not quite being sure to the place where they they tested it, they've incorporated it, it's part of who they are and their nature. What, what how do they go through the awkward awkward preliminary stages of this? I love that question. Well, so uh, definitely regularly practicing, even if it's just meditating for five minutes, and even if meditating is just sitting there some kind of practice every day, even if it's just sitting there for five minutes, lighting a candle and sitting there, that would be important. But but I think what's even uh, another kind of as important as that would be what I call the what-if method. So it's when you think, if you're like, oh, you know, this isn't real or this isn't going to help or I'm not that powerful – a way to take yourself from that mindset to the next, it's, a, it's like a magic carpet, is the what-if method because you think, well, what if I were powerful? Well, what if my thoughts created my reality? What if I could experience my dreams coming true? Then how would I feel? Then how would I act? And it makes it into play because really that is the energy of it. The more it can be like play, the more successful it is. And the the aim, of course, is, I mean, one of the major aims is joyful and successful living. So the more you're playing, the more fun you have, the more you laugh, the more you feel like a little kid in the sandbox, the more successful you already are in this moment. So I would say the what-if method is a, is a, is a winner. Oh, that's, that's an interesting approach. Okay, so now a more complicated question, I think, is, you know, you're talking about that happiness or joy is is important for us to invest in and to believe in. And, and yet, you know, that's so contradictory to a whole era of spiritual gurus that were mystically oriented toward being martyrs. Um, and we've got a lot of history in every single faith on this planet where they've endured and they were persecuted and they they had they had to kind of rise up to their most courageous self to be true to their magic, so to speak. And, but yet you're, you're kind of saying that we should feel like our happiness is the ultimate uh, actual Yeah, and you know what? It universe. actually, yeah, and it actually does take a lot of courage because I remember when, you know, I was in my early 20s and I was sort of like in that stage where I was still kind of stepping into this and realizing that I wasn't pretending <laughs> And I remember feeling really just like how, why should I be thinking positive when there's all these challenging things in the world, when there's all these sad, you know, heartbreaking things. 
And when you actually, that, and that makes total sense to think that way when you're in the mindset that you're disempowered and that your thoughts and feelings don't have an effect on your reality. But when you realize that consciousness is contagious and that we're all one, that then you realize that the happier, the more joyful, the more successful you are, the more you help other people and other animals and the whole planet get happier and more successful and more joyful. When you realize that, then you realize, oh, I can focus. There's, there's this whole appearance of duality, and I can definitely focus on all the sad, horrible things, or I can know that they're there, and then even for their sake, even because I love the world so much and I want to shift it, I can experience joy and thrive. Because, you know, if, if you're not thriving, if you're suffering, it's not helping people who are suffering stop suffering. But if you're happy and expansive, then it may, you know. And, and when you're successful, the more you have, the more you have to give. If you think about even just going to the grocery store in a good mood and smiling at the people you pass, that really does make them happier. I mean, it is proven that when people smile at you, you feel happier. We're a very social species. And then think of those people and all the ripples of that. And where do they go next? And then they go home, and that affects their whole day. So just thinking about it in that way, which is a very logical way to think about it, makes you realize how courageous it actually is to live in this positive place. Okay, so then now we're talking about influencing those around us as well as ourselves and and the power of that. And you, you give a wonderful set of the illustrations of we don't encroach on other people's free wills, and yet there may be times where we're really not encroaching by implementing uh, magic on, on, the, uh, on the benefit of some other people. What are the parameters you kind of set in place for when we reach out and help individuals, whether they've asked well, for it or not? Well, I believe that, yeah, generally speaking, when people ask is when you can can do things to help affect them positively. But also, if you're drawing on just a purely divine, universal energy, like the cauldron of lilac fire or just like divine white light, that's something that is available to everyone and it's it's a part of you as well. And it and you're not it's like you're not imposing your own will, your your ego will on that other person by sending them white light. All you're doing is tapping into something that's universal, that's available to everyone, and that is a part of the part of you that's one with everything. So, so that to me is is not uh, working against anyone else's free will or crossing any lines. Um, but if it was something like I'm going to make this person fall in love with me or even like I'm going to help this person get a better job, maybe they don't want one. You know, it's like you have to, it's, if it's some kind of idea of your ego, that would not be something to do. But if it's some kind of universal, this light knows exactly what needs to happen for this person's truest good, that's a whole other story. So I know that there's a, a person I interviewed on the show where he said I, that every day he, he starts out his day saying that he prays for the most benevolent and the most beneficial outcome. So he calls it the MBO and most benevolent outcome. And he, he will apply that kind of a phrase before every single prayer that he says. Is there some way in which you kind of conditionalize your healing gestures or your outreach? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I do, before I do healings, then I do a uh, a prayer that is similar to that, and that is the general, um, I mean, I often will say highest and truest good and everyone's highest and truest good, because you do want to work with uh, the, the best possible outcome. I mean, I, that's another thing that I will say. So the, the idea is that there is a divine flow, that it's kind of like, the DNA for an oak tree that's within an acorn. It, there is an ideal expression of your life, of of the way that things go, and you want to tap into that most ideal, most beneficial expression. First of all, because that's where the, there's just a bunch of power there. So it, it you, you're working with a momentum that is is huge, so your success rate is higher but also because it just makes sense. I mean, that we don't, our egos, our little selves, can't see the big picture like the part of us that knows that, that divine and ideal flow. So, 
and we're not always seen to the eyes of the divine. So it's a, it's an interesting kind of condition to put on ourselves. To remind ourselves that there's a part of us very small, but also a part of us that's huge, uh, boundless, uh, infinite in many respects. I would suggest. And I would wonder to what degree we make ourselves way too small and that we don't need to make ourselves small anymore. And your book kind of points to that. Stop stop making yourself small. Here are some tools toward really expanding who you are. Would you like to say more about that? Uh, yeah, I, that's an interesting way to put it, that it's kind of all about that. It's more and more stepping more and more into um, your most positive expression of your life path and it did it made me think also about how when I talk about phrasing intentions one of the things you can do you know because I say if you if your intention is I want to get a job at this boutique you might be limiting what could actually happen maybe the university is something even better than that boutique so you could say I would like to manifest the best possible position for me or a position for me that you know fits these certain things that I would really like to feel in my life or if you really feel like you want to say, I want to get a job at this boutique, you can add at the end or something better. So it just kind of leaves the door open to that. But it's also um, like I love the book The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, how he talks about oh, yeah. the upper limit problem. You know that one? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, so he talks about the upper limit problem that we just kind of naturally sometimes feel uncomfortable when we start to expand into more abundance and more joy and more success. So he talks about, you know, regularly affirming that you're opening up to greater and greater levels of this. And so I do see my book as a way to kind of have fun with this process of challenging yourself to expand your ability to appreciate beauty, to experience love, to receive abundance and all of that stuff. Beautifully said. You know, we're right in the, the throes of having a major earthquake in terms of our timetable in Nepal, two huge earthquakes. We're also dealing with a lot of antagonistic energy in terms of ISIS and ISIL and all the governmental interference or help in that regard. So I take those two examples because they're close to my heart, and I don't really know why they are, but they are. Mm. And I try to exercise a lot of the things that you mentioned in this book a kind of magical influence into those situations for the most benevolent outcome or the best possible outcomes. And I think that those situations are so much bigger than I am. I'm way across the planet. I can't sit there and move a big stone off of a person's live body in the Nepal earthquake situation. But I remember the book, The Third, uh, the third Man Factor, I think it was called, the, the idea that, there there appear to be interventions that occur that that seem miraculous on behalf of other individuals. And can we not see ourselves as influencing those miraculous outcomes even though we're sitting in our chair meditating? What do you think about that? Well, certainly. I mean, there's no separation. Consciousness, we're all one. Um, there's really no separation even physically in terms of spirituality. It's just like an instant link. So there's certainly, I believe, that that can affect miraculous outcomes and also mirac- uh, outcomes that don't appear miraculous. But when we trust, when we send light, when we send love, when we visualize and ask for and affirm the best possible outcome, there's just probably, I believe, things that happen that might even not be obvious um, that are, do, can in some way be transmuted into some sort of positivity. Okay. Do you have any examples you want to share? So um, I just read this really great novel called The Lovely Bones. Did you ever read that one? Oh, it makes me too sad to even think about. <laughs> oh, but, and it was so sad. And it was it was about a girl who got abducted and killed, and and it was so sad. But the 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 lesson of it, the beauty of it, was that she showed all of the relationships after that happened to her, and all of the beautiful and heart wrenching, but then ultimately beautiful things that brought people together and helped them find their gifts. 
So it was like the most unthinkably horrible thing that could ever happen. And then you all, and, and we see this in our own lives. I mean, I do. I see the things that happened to me as a child that were challenging, abused, and various things that seemed like the worst possible thing that could ever happen at the time. And then I see if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't have learned this beautiful thing. I wouldn't have expanded my ability to enjoy life or to help other people in this way that brings me so much joy. So that's what I mean. Not that, oh, good, we're so glad there was an earthquake. But yes, there was an earthquake and there can also be blessings that happen. And to play a part in those blessings, even though we're way across the planet, whether practically, donation. But I'm, well, now we're really talking about the metaphysical donations that we can make on behalf of others. And in in light of that, how about if we move on to talking about the unseen allies? Uh, Because I I think that, in a sense, we're talking about us becoming unseen allies to others, but how about those other unseen allies um, are around us all the time? Yeah, so the way that I think about um, unseen allies is that the divine, the, the infinite is something that our brains, we, we are kind of wired to understand that there is such thing as infinity and as all such a thing as all that is, but at the same time, it's not really something that we can picture easily. It's like hard for us to get our heads around. So when we think of different types of divine beings like angels um, or, or even ancestors or any kind of fairies, you know, some kind of unseen ally, it's a way for us to conceptualize this um, infinite wisdom and this infinite help and this part of us, because we're one with everything, that is one with the divine. And so it, it, not to say that they aren't real, but it's, it's a way that for us to use our consciousness to have some kind of a window of understanding and of, of being able to access so we might call on different allies for different reasons because of that, because it's the infinite, so it has an infinite number of ways to help us, and sometimes it can be helpful for us to envision an infinite number of faces of the divine or, or a number of faces that we call on for different reasons. Does that make sense? Well, yes. Okay. So we're talking about uh, angels and fairies and ascended masters and uh, it's a plethora of individuals during a meditation last night where the individual leading it said, you have so many unseen unseen sources around you to help you. And I just appreciated her being that expansive because we tend to think of one archangel or you know, one, one ascended master, but there's a plethora of us available to us. And you convey that same idea in your book as well. How do we access that plethora of resources? Well, um, to get to know, you, you can meditate and see if there are certain beings. There might already be certain beings that you like to call on or that you feel some sort of alliance with. Or you can research and see who you particularly connect with. Or if you have a certain challenge, um, then there might be uh, some being that you research and find like Ganesh, the the remover of obstacles in the Hindu pantheon, he can be really helpful for getting stuck energy moving. So if you have a project that's sort of been on the back burner for a while, it's being passed over, there's red tape, you know, you could call on Ganesh, and, and a lot of people experience a lot of success with that. And so um, there, it's really to find what feels powerful to you, what's appropriate in that moment. And then, like I have found that there are a number of, Uh, goddesses and angels that I like to call on regularly as part of my practice, and then there will be some for various intentions that I will call on. So it's like getting to know, it's like, you know, going to a mixer and starting to get to know the different allies and see who you connect with and who feels right, and and then just uh, continue to cultivate that relationship. I love that, a mixer of invisible allies. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Would you be interested in and giving us a, a meditation that helps us access or connect to to one of these allies. Uh, would would oh, you lead certainly. us in the meditation briefly? Yes, I'd love to. Okay, so sit comfortably again. Come into the moment. Feel your weight on the earth. Notice your breath as it goes in and out, just to notice it. And I want you to envision yourself completely bathed and surrounded in a 
sphere of white light. Breathe this light in. Feel it bathing every cell, surrounding, bathing, soaking, transforming, shielding and protecting you. And now I'd like for you to bring to mind a challenge. The first thing that comes to mind is probably right, or if you don't have a challenge, maybe just a, a, a situation, um, any kind of challenge or situation that comes to mind that you would like support with. So just bring that into your mind and then feel the feelings and feel kind of from a feeling place, feel how you would like to feel in this situation, the, the kind of guidance that you'd like to receive or how you'd like to feel when you do receive that guidance and support. So just sort of set that intention. And now I'd like for you to just open up to a divine uh, beneficent being. And you might see this being in your mind's eye. You might hear a name. You might feel a feeling. You might even have a scent kind of arise in, in your sort of mind. And then just take a moment to get to know this being a little bit more. And if you just have a vision, that's okay, but see if you can kind of get some more information about who this is, if it's an angel, an ancestor, a divinity of some sort, some sort of guide. Take a moment and see what you can learn. And now just allow yourself to receive the guidance and the support from this being. It might be an infusion of energy. It might be a vision. It might be words. It might be a feeling. Just allow that to arise. And if you don't get something that's very clear and noticeable, just know that whatever the guidance is, it, you're still receiving it. It might just be an infusion of energy. It might become more apparent in the days and weeks to come. You don't have to have a, a concrete thing, but see what you get. And now thank this being. Know that this being wishes you well and that you can call on this being for help with this situation at any time. Say thank you, thank you, thank you, blessed be, and so it is. Ah, uh, beautiful. You know, last week we had Raven Keys who had used, utilized Reiki and connection to the angels in helping out the 9-11 situation just the very day and the weeks that followed. And um, mm. a, a wonderful stories, experiences, and actual visualizations of angels and supportive supportive invisible allies, as you would say. Do you have some examples, too, that would inspire people to explore this region of their spiritual uh, relationships? Sure, sure. Um, so, for example, this is kind of a... Um, fun one i like to i like to have a relationship i mean i have found that my my paternal grandmother likes to um be one of my guides sometimes that's from from the realm of spirit she likes to help give me guidance and what's interesting is it's specifically often in the realm of shopping because she used to take me shopping when she was alive and and now when I go shopping I sometimes I like to call on her for support and she will help me find deals and then my um, maternal grandfather interestingly also likes to support me but in different ways so he uh, during life, he had four daughters and no sons, and now it seems like he's really supporting me in um, embodying my feminine power, which is something he didn't really do so much for his daughters when they were alive, but it, from the spirit world, it seems to be part of his purpose there, and so I have received a lot of guidance from him during meditations um, but that's just a couple of examples of how you can work with ancestors if, they, if they'd like to work with you. But similarly, this can be true with angels, with Ganesh. I, my, I had a girlfriend who was, did have a, a project, a, a screenplay that was, um, that was just kind of like she wasn't hearing back from it and it was just kind of a bunch of red tape. And, and I counseled her to work with Ganesh and it just like moved right ahead, right away. So um, just... Those are a few examples of, of the ways that you can work with unseen allies. 
Okay, beautiful. You know, folks, we are talking to someone. You're definitely going to want to read her book. Her name is Tess Whitehurst. Her book is Holistic Energy Magic. And Tess, how do people get in contact with you? How do they order your book, things of that sort? Oh, well, my website is TessWhitehurst.com. And you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash author, um, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash TessWhitehurst. And my books are on Amazon. And there is a link from my website. So, And I have a blog with all kinds of free resources and some YouTube videos with guided meditations. So, uh, yeah, you can check me out there. And that blog is with Tess Whitehurst? Um, there's a link to it from TessWhitehurst.com, or the blog is EnchantingTheDay.blogspot.com. Okay, do that one more time. Enchanting? EnchantingTheDay.blogspot.com. Okay, very good. Well, we're going to give that out again later on. But let's move on to what it means to pay attention to symbols. Um, this is a... The, the whole issues of synchronicity. Susan Mann is a uh, a person in the Camino, the Spanish Camino walk, where she says the whole process is learning about how to listen to the synchronizations, the symbols that are going on in your life, so that you pay attention to the small and big communications that are coming, because often that's the way we communicate to ourselves, or the spirit communicates to us, or just the circumstances communicate to us. But your, you, in your book, you talk about that to some degree as well as interfaces with using magic. So tell us a little bit about reading symbols and, and, and tuning into that information. Well, so the, because everything is connected, you can think of the physical world as constantly communicating with us. And we have this, a lot of people will notice maybe every time they look at the clock, it'll say 1111, or um, maybe they'll hear the same song three days in a row, or um, see an image, or, or see an animal that, you know, you never, very rarely see, or maybe you'll see the animal in a situation that is just very rare and seems seems to be out of the ordinary. So this is, these would be, if you choose to, you can tune in to the messages that the universe or the part of you that's one with everything is, is giving you. And, um, and dreams, dreams too, when you have a dream that seems significant, you can usually tell when it's just kind of like, oh yeah, I, I just was dreaming. I was, you can tell when it's the difference between just a sort of a dream and then a dream that just kind of feels significant to you because it upset you or it confused you or just really left an impression. Those are usually dreams with some kind of message. And um, the the way that I – this is the what-if method. Again, this is kind of the way that even if you think, oh, there's no way for me to know, I don't know, I'm not psychic, I, how can I interpret that? You can usually always successfully interpret it. First of all, because you're, if it's your subconscious and it's the universe communicating with you, why would they communicate in something that you wouldn't be able to understand? I mean, it's a symbolic language that is specifically tailored to you. So, yes, you definitely have everything you need already to interpret this. Um, and then the way that the, the kind of secret way, again, the magic carpet is, again, the what-if method. So you can say, and Denise Lynn, the author Denise Lynn talks about this a lot, and also my boyfriend Ted does this always whenever I have a dream that I tell him about, is, well, well what do you think it means? Well, what, what if you did know? You know, if, if you said, well, I don't know. Well, just, you know, if you had to guess, if you had to guess what that means, what would you guess? Um, and then almost invariably your guess will be right on and you'll know it is. So just kind of override that I don't know by saying, well, what if I did know? What if I had to guess? It's that's usually going to give you the right answer. Thank you. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful kind of set of tools. I know that when my mother passed away, uh, I was driving home from her house. We were trying to kind of settle things. It was just a couple of days after she passed on. And I said, well, Mom, now that you've been there for a while, what, what would you like to communicate about your experience there? <laughs> So here I am, just you know, kind of casually doing it. I'm about to turn on a very narrow road. Very few cars are going to go on this road, and the the path to home is it, it's just a, it's just a narrow process. There aren't a lot of cars that are getting there on that path to home. I've already been driving for a good hundred miles, and uh, right immediately, as soon as I said that, a car pulls in front of me, a silver Lexus, and the 
back of the license plate was God loved you. Oh, I took a photo of the poor guy's car. I was Aww. so moved by it. But that was one of those synchronistic symbols that was so clear and such a direct answer to a question. And it was so odd the way that car moved, just jimmied its way right in front of me onto this narrow path. The likelihood of that one license plate being in front of me on that route out of all the license plates on the planet is really minuscule. So there you go. Yeah, great example. Yeah. Yeah. Simple 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 examples like that. Oh yeah. Well I talked about in my book that there was this time that Ted and I got into a fight was just like suffice it to say it wasn't as big of a deal as it seemed at the time. And we got into this really big fight and I did a card reading on it. And I got, um, it was the Dorian Virtue Ascended Masters card and I, cards, and I got um, White Buffalo Catwoman. So it's this woman holding out a peace pipe, and it says peace or something. I think it was called Make Peace or, or something. So I totally ignored it, and I was like, no, I'm not making peace. I'm leaving. <laughs> so I got in my car and drove to my dad's house, and I went into the guest room, and he had bought at a yard sale he had bought a framed picture that was the exact same white buffalo calf woman holding a peace pipe that, wow. <laughs> that was sitting in in the uh, guest room. And so I was like, oh, well, okay, I guess I shouldn't have ignored that. <laughs> but isn't it interesting <laughs> how the universe will be like, that's okay, we'll give you another chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, Tess, isn't it great the way we're called on our own stuff so many times here? Um, that everybody's there to help. Um, do you have any other tools you want to make sure that we uh, cover before we close our interview? Um, well, I, I guess just the, to me, the main thing uh, is always trusting the self, relaxing, um, and doing a regular practice of meditation, uh, magical hygiene, and really, especially because people like us, you and me, and people who are listening, are very, usually very energetically sensitive. We can very easily take on thoughts and feelings of others, often without ever knowing it. So I think an important aspect of our daily practice needs to be setting boundaries and starting to become aware of what's us and what's other people because we are the people who have the special ability to shift consciousness into a more positive place. So we want to make sure that we're grounded in positivity and not taking on like a sponge, the negativity or challenges of others, but sharing our positivity with them. So regularly clearing and shielding the aura, I would say is, is the main thing that I would like your listeners to, to know about. That, that's a beautiful, uh, and somehow that became so real when you said that, that, that if we have a consciousness of trying to create the peace and the spiritual consciousness of, in ourselves, that perhaps we are the carriers of those cauldrons, so to speak, and kind of strategically place them down calmly, unintrusively, so as to help other people tap into that as well. It's an interesting perspective. That's the way you kind of view yourself, Tess? What's that? Is that the way you kind of view yourself as kind of a messenger and a, a creator of that type of experience for people? I think that it's important for us to realize that right now consciousness is shifting very rapidly into one where people are more conscious and more aware and more tuned in and more compassionate and that the reason why it's doing that is because there are people who are seeing, okay, yes, we can see that um, the common way we're supposed to just watch the news and then just feel this like sense of dread and woe all the time, but we're not going in for that. We're going in for creating positivity and holding joy and knowing we're empowered and then being the anchors for the people around us to know that as well. So it's a conscious pioneering, definitely, that I believe that we're all doing. Oh, that's well said. Okay, one more time. We're, we're not going to close with this, but how do people reach you? How do they get a hold of your books, etc.? So my website is TessWhitehurst.com. Um, and from my website, you can find all kinds of fun resources, my Facebook page, my Twitter page, my YouTube videos, and my blog. So TessWhitehurst.com. 
Beautiful. You conclude your book by saying, you are a precious and unique channel of all that is. When you align with and manifest your most authentic desires, rest assured that your happiness and success bring great benefits to the web of life and to all beings in all directions of time. Let us each remember to live live our greatness and express our vast personal power with humility and with the great intention to bring peace and healing to all. Tess Whitehurst, as we conclude, what is your final message to us all? Uh, Live your beauty and don't be afraid to express your greatness more and more step into your power every day and know that your joy and your well-being does positively affect everyone else. Beautifully said. Listeners, take it to heart. Grab a hold of this book. It is very inspiring and a great textbook to utilize as you expand your own toolkit of magic. And thank you, Tess, so much for joining us and sharing this with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, folks, be on your way with vigor and vim and truly let your light burn deep inside of you and be shared with others. Great day.